So welcome to the folks online. Welcome to everybody here at New Freedom. Um, is there anyone in the room here tonight that, for the first time? Very good. Good. Well, first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to perceive us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. So what we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I do, my role, is to try and carry the message of a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. I try and show you how I find my experience in this book. And if you'll do your job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. I'll encourage you to have your experience, and together we'll share the spirit. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and have felt a little spirit in here? So, so those of you online can't see, but they're raising their hands. When we talk to you in 12-step recovery of a spiritual experience, we're speaking of a sensory experience. You'll feel it. It's tangible. When you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? So tonight, we're definitely going to feel the spirit, because we're in steps 10 and 11. But before I get into that, um, those of you that are newer to New Freedom, if you're staying here, um, your family's welcome here, and your family is also welcome at the Saturday church service, the recovery church uh, that, that Chaplain Sam Lee facilitates. So um, we, we love to have you and your families here. I know you're kind of anxious to see them, and, and at least in this, this setting, they're, they're encouraged to be here with you. And those of you in the community, you know, these are, these are people that are uh, getting ready to re-enter society, so we want you to know them and embrace them and, and help them know what's going on in the community to, to help them on beyond here. So everybody is welcome, and we're going to get launched, and we're on page 83 of the book. It may seem redundant, because last week we looked at steps 8 and 9, but they left us with some promises. You guys remember the promises they left us with? Who was here last week? Some of you? Okay, good. So they left us with some promises, so we're going to go back and review that and then get started in the, in the manner of living. So it says, says that if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of our development are they speaking of? Steps 4 through 9. So Sean's talking about the practices we learned in steps 4 through 9. Everyone agree with Sean? He doesn't have all the answers for anyone but Sean. <laughs> but if you'll let him think for you, he'll do it. <laughs> so we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. What's new mean? Never before. Unlike anything I've ever experienced before, right? So what is this new freedom? It's not just freedom from chemical, it's freedom from something new. So what is the freedom I'm experiencing? Freedom from self. Isn't that what I asked for in three? Even if I didn't believe... I said a prayer because someone else showed me that something might have worked. And I wasn't sure what it was I was praying for, but I asked that I'd be relieved of the bondage of self. And now somehow I'm a little less troubled within myself. Yeah? Okay. 
So it says, we'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps and is endeavoring to show others? Have you found that some of the worst moments of your life have been impactful to alleviate suffering for others? So we don't regret the past because it was preparation for our real purpose, which is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And we are uniquely useful to those in the pull of addiction, yes? Okay. So we'll not regret the past and we'll shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. So comprehend and know. How does one comprehend a state of being such as serenity? Yeah, you, couldn't, you couldn't know it any other way, right? Even if you look it up in the dictionary and look up serenity, it'll say see serene. Because it's a state of being, right? Um, how does one know peace? You'd have to have an experience to know peace, and, and peace is, for our simple purposes, is the absence of conflict. How many have noticed that there's less conflict within you? How many of you have learned to discipline your thought when you felt conflict within you and maybe discard some of it, suffer less, treat people kinder than you feel like treating them? Okay, so this is happening for you, yes? Okay. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. That started the same reason, yes? Because we're starting to see that whatever it was I went through, it's preparatory for what I'm getting ready to do. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you have lapsed back into uselessness and self-pity and someone reminded you, you might want to go work with somebody? <laughs> when you're feeling that you lack purpose, go do something purposeful. Right? It's a simple thing, but we got these forgetters that function extraordinarily well. No, I'd just rather shit and sit in it. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. How many of you have had that happen? Yeah. Self-seeking will slip away. Yeah. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? They are, and I, I always like to call, why would they have written that? They wrote the words they meant, they meant the words they said. They thought about every word, they argued over every word. Because they knew by nature, we're, there's a little con in us. Anybody? Or is it just me? So we're used to selling and maybe overselling, right? And so I always assume that I'm being oversold. How many of you came to recovery and thought you were being oversold when you first got here. How many of you really have realized that you, in fact, didn't even grasp the depth of what you were about to experience? So that's why they're calling it to our attention. Hey, we get it. You're not believing it. But please, please just follow us for a minute and see. Right? Okay. 
So it says they, will, they are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if they work for them. The other promise they did not share with you is they will always vaporize if we don't. Because it's states of being they're describing. So all the, you know, the freedom from self comes right back as soon as I have that new manifestation of self driven by fear. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. What's the use? Any of you ever got there in recovery? Okay. All right, so this thought brings us to step 10. Which thought? They'll always materialize if we work for them. So if they're not materializing, what's missing? Work. With others, right? Okay. So which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue... I must have started. Where did I start? Back to Sean's point, right? I, in those two, those two practices I learned in 4 through 9, to, I'm going to continue doing that as I go along. Hmm. So that sort of ends the debate of whether we do one forever. Because I'm never supposed to stop. That's the problem. It's a manner of living, not a workbook exercise. Okay. So then it says, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So they're starting to teach me to discipline my thought life all day long as I go along. And it's going to walk me through that. We have entered the world of the spirit. That's a pretty matter-of-fact statement, isn't it? Half of these guys were atheists or agnostics, but to a person, they declare, we have entered the world of the Spirit. So what is it like to have entered the world of the Spirit? They just described it in the promises of the ninth step, didn't they? Lose interest in selfish things, gain interest in our fellows, fear of uselessness and self-pity disappear. We lose our fear of economic insecurity. Those types of things happen for you? That's what it's like to enter the world of the Spirit. It's not something we haven't attained, if in fact we attained it. We've been raised to it. Yeah, that's what they said. They've been raised to a level of life better than the best they've ever known. Okay. So our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what, effectiveness at what? Wow, you guys are sleepy. Did you hear that we weren't open tonight? Because we are open. So how many of you have grown an understanding of yourself as sick or ill as opposed to bad? Or How many of you have got a different impression of people in general when you found out people were really willing to help you without any expectation from you? So you, you've grown an understanding of yourself and others. How many of you grew an understanding of what other people were talking about when they spoke of God when you got pointed to the experience of God through you? When we started talking about power and we felt the power flow in, now it's not a theology and it's not something I ditched as a kid. This is, this is actually life's source. Yes? Okay. So you all growing in understanding and effectiveness? And next week we'll look at effectiveness at what? But, okay. So then it says this is not an overnight matter. Why did they warn us about that? Because we all want it now. And we want it one and done, don't we? 
But we don't want life one and done. We just want all our effects one and done. Except why did I keep nurturing my effects? Any, anyone else here never quite happy with the level of high you could experience? There has to be just a notch higher. Not in the world of the spirit, there is not. You can just keep going as long as you can go. Okay? So this is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So think about what they're saying. If I'm going to continue, I must have started. What did they show me in step four was driving me? Fear. Selfishness. Driven by a hundred forms of fear. So now I'm not just saying that because I'm quoting that. I've looked it up in my own experience. I've written it down. I saw how myself manifested when I experienced fear, and I saw how I ended up in selfish conditions. Right? So now where did I learn it all emanated from? So the main problem centers in the mind rather than in the body. Does it make sense? So what am I looking for when I say continue to watch? I'm watching my thoughts. They're teaching me to watch my thoughts as I go along. This isn't about learning a new meditative practice and going sitting in a room banging a gong. I know we hear that and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what AA meditation is. It's a a conscious walk with God. Not God the concept, God the experience. Yes? Okay. So when these crop up, do you notice that? How many of you have had selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear crop up? Did you think it was somebody else? We asked God at once to remove them. I wanted to make sure you understood what I was watching because I don't want you to think we're asking God to strike our fellows. If I ask God at once to remove them, I'm asking him to... Take away this thought. Redirect my thinking. Yes? Okay. And then we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. So you see how you're walking as Sean's point back through four through nine. So all I'm doing is getting disciplined now as I go along in the practices they showed me with another man or woman showing me exactly how to get armed with the facts about myself and how myself manifests and how that defeats me. And now I'm going to watch those thoughts and Start defending the high place, for those of you that study that other book. Okay? So then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. This is a little tricky. Where in the steps of AA or any other fellowship do you get the sense that you can help you? I start with an admission of powerlessness. There is no step that suggests I can help me. But I am uniquely useful to you, because I can see your plight. So I'm going to turn my thoughts to someone I can help. It won't be me, but in delivery of that help to you, as the instrument of that help, that which I'm suffering from is taken care of. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it says, love and tolerance of others is our code. So love what? Tolerate what? Love the people, tolerate the behaviors, the symptoms of their malady, which they talk to us about, right? And what are the symptoms of their malady? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, same as mine. So to go to another source document, 
How can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. That's a constant walk disciplining my thinker. You're not causing my suffering. My thoughts are causing my suffering, and ultimately it's judgment because I think the way you're behaving has something to do with me. Because what the hell else could it be about, right? But enough of me talking about me. What do you think about me? Okay. All right, so here's some more promises. And we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. I don't know why that isn't the promise that's hung on every AA hall door. Because it's far more ceased fighting anything or anyone. Because if that's happening, I do know peace. Yes? And I'm not fighting because the battle's been won. Okay. For by this time, sanity will have returned. What did they tell me insanity was? Yeah, so the addiction's gone away, and now we're sober many years, and the, the insanity's the same, the illusion of control. Right? The illusion that I somehow... I'm in control of all the external forces in the world. Anyone else suffer from that delusion? The idea that he will someday control and enjoy his thinking is the great obsession of every abnormal thinker. Take the drink away and you realize what we suffer from. We suffer from a control addiction, the only known substance in this world that can cure that addiction is a substance called faith. Everything is as it should be, even when evidence appears that it is not. Yeah? Okay. So we'll seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we'll recoil as from a hot flame. Hmm. How many of you have not had that experience? Fought with your thoughts. I'm just not picking up no matter what. Any of you ever? How many of you discovered that that was a less than adequate plan. What happened to you guys who were not picking up no matter what? <laughs> I thought I'd overreacted. And we're not saying you may not go for weeks and months at a time. We're saying if you're the real deal, there is going to be a time. And if we're not fit, so, um, so we react sanely and normally, and we'll find that this has happened automatically. Notice how I'm not claiming any credit. They're not claiming any credit for what's happened. I haven't learned how to control anything. I haven't, nothing's, it's happened automatically. My new attitude toward liquor has been given me as a byproduct of maintaining my spiritual fitness. Right? Because we don't seek sobriety as a result of the 12 steps. Read it and see having had a spiritual awakening. I'm going to say nothing about sobriety. In fact, if you seek your spirituality deep enough, you'll be inebriated in the spirit. So, because I'm dependent, I'm going to seek inebriation at some point, no so matter where am I seeking. Am I going to seek within or out there in the illusion? Okay. All right, so we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. 
We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. The name of this meeting, position of neutrality. I had a guy explain to me one time, right after I went through the step experience, he said, how do you feel? And quite frankly, I felt really bad. But he asked me, do you feel safe? And I said, no. And he said, if you do not feel safe, you are not safe. There's more work to do. So I would, that was impactful to me, so I would tell you, if you're sitting in here especially and you don't feel safe, you are not safe. Tell one of us. Let us help you. Okay? So we've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So what is the problem? It's not even my thinking, because they want me to think, think, think. They just want me to wake up first. But those manifested selves driven by fear have been removed because I'm now moving in purpose. Yes? Come on, I know a lot of guys in here that are moving in purpose. And, and we don't think the same way we used to think. Yes? Okay. So we've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. So now they're telling you clearly it was a fear problem. The fear problem has been removed. And as long as I'm guarding the high place, I can keep that self from manifesting simply by focusing on my constant thought of others and how to meet their needs. Okay? So that's our experience. Notice how they didn't say that's our opinion. That's what we heard at the meeting on Friday. This entire book is by the first 100, their experience with the first several thousand, and the collective experience of half atheist agnostics and half believers dying in addiction, experiencing the flow of the spirit, the rejuvenation, a death of self, and a resurrection into a manner of living to be recovered. Okay, so then it says, it says that's how we react so long as we keep in a fit spiritual condition. So there's a condition. So how would I know if I was in a fit spiritual condition if I want to maintain sobriety? I would just go back and read the promises. Am I fighting anything or anyone? I don't have to go past the first one. Right? If I'm even fighting with the idea I'm not okay, it's probably a good idea to go help somebody else. Okay. So it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Do you guys know the difference between the spiritual program of action and what people refer to in our fellowship as the program? Because I think we do new people a disservice. So well, you need to get to a meeting and they think they're in the program. No, that may not help me. I may meet my next connect there. <laughs> what I probably need to do is get busy in the spiritual program of action, my constant thought of others, how to meet their needs, discipline my thinker, yes? I'm not, say, I'm not bashing on meetings, I'm bashing on the messaging we've done over the years that have caused people to think that sitting in that chair is working a program. Because they're dying under our eyes because we won't tell them the truth. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We're not cured of alcoholism. Why not? They never tried to cure it. The doctor's opinion for Bill is, it'd be better if you didn't drink. Yeah, no shit. But the seeming impossibility of not doing. Do you relate to being insane like that? It takes no power to not do. So the idea 
that you can't not do and you still don't think you're crazy? Interesting. We, we are people who suffer from a mental illness, the fundamental characteristic of which is to believe we don't have it. We can see it clearly in that other bitch. We're sitting in a room full of us. Glad I'm not that bad yet. So anyway, we're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol as a subtle foe. We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. What do they mean by that? How many of you, to your point, how many of you went through the steps, had a step experience, even had some people you were sponsoring? And then so slowly that kind of went off. And you started to get uncomfortable. And then maybe you got uncomfortable enough that you started medicating that discomfort. It's a lot easier to let that monkey out than to put it back in the cage, huh? I mean, no one's afraid of that. I know no one's afraid of that. But we learn this over and over, and we hear it over and over. But, but they're trying to keep us an eye on my thinking, because when my thinking is caught in how you're behaving, I'm already in trouble. I need to question how I'm thinking, not how you're talking or acting. Okay, so we're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition every day, is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Which day? Every day. Every day. Interesting that half were atheists or agnostics, but they figured out that a vision, less selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, was a good path of patience, kindliness, tolerance, and love. Right? And that's what they teach us. Any of you notice that? Get selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear out of the way and start looking for the good and you start to see a better world. Conversely, if you're looking for the bad, are we not pretty good at finding it? Okay. So, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. They put the not mine in parentheses to call our attention to the sheer delusion that there's a will opposite God's. God's will has no opposite. There's God's will and my opposition to it. I think some religious legalists would take issue with me, but I can show you scripturally that that's true. Whatever God's got going on is what's going on. I'm either, it's preparing me for something, but it may not be pleasant. The longer I hold to the idea I don't want to go, it's going to make it more unpleasant longer. So that not mine will leave by higher consciousness. By the time we're, these promises in the 10th step are one level of consciousness, by 11th step consciousness when I'm ready to go out and serve, the not mine will be gone. Okay. So then it says that these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Why? Because I constantly find myself in situations that I think I need to adjust the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. Doesn't matter how long we've been clean, it doesn't, none of that. We just, when I'm guided by these, it's going to be disturbing from time to time. Yes? Okay. So we can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. So did you know there was a proper use of the will? To the point of whoever said that about thinking. 
right? We've, we've, I've heard that in the fellowship for years. Don't think. Yeah, think, think, think. Wake the fuck up first. Right? Otherwise, it's just obsession. Do you understand the difference? When you're awakened to who you are and whose you are, when you think, you're receiving guidance and you're moving in it. True? Some of you are feeling that. Okay? That's the power we call God. That ain't coming from up here. That's happening in you. Okay. All right. So much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. Now, they told us that we would first experience this as power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowing in. And then they said, when you, we, we made the third step decision, just made it. Haven't even acted in it yet. Just, I'm, I'm actually going to do this thing. We felt new power flow in. So they're already telling me that, and I'm starting to get informed in the spirit of what my next step is to be. Yes? Okay. So if we have carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. They're not talking about doorknobs, light bulbs, groups of drunks, none of that silly shit we've heard over the years. They're talking about tangible power flowing into me that I lacked before. And half of them were atheists or agnostics. Why we're not talking about the profundity of that experience every day, shouting it from the rooftops, that this is available to everybody. This experiment here is proof of our belief that this is available to everybody. Because we as a class are assumed to be the forgotten and the hopeless. And it ain't true. We're not forgotten and we are not hopeless. I see lots of green lanyards here. Hey, just a personal note, my son's here. He hasn't been able to go to one of these in about nine years. He just came to us from, I'm going to rat you out, Joe. He just came to us from ADCRR, too. Um, to some extent, we become God conscious. So what do they mean by God conscious? I'm aware that I'm aware. I'm having this flow of the Spirit, but now I know what it is. And I know although it's flowing through me, it's not of me. Yes? which is a more incentive to seek deeper, yes? Okay. So then it says we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. What is spiritual fitness? Developing the vital sixth sense. What's the vital sixth sense? God consciousness. The source of life. How many of you, although you thought you were alive, were acting more like a dead person? How many of you felt more like a dead person? <laughs> Biblically, they don't differentiate us in that state from the dead. They said, let the dead bury the dead. But when we awaken to the source, we have a new freedom. Okay. So we begin to develop it. So the same way as when I go to the gym and I just start lifting a little bit of weight and I just start shifting my diet a little bit, I'm starting to feel better, but nobody knows. But eventually, if I stay in faith, not only do I feel better, but I start to look better. Yes? And same thing's going to happen in the spirit. Yes? Okay. How many of you have been here at this a while, been doing the thing in the spirit for a while, and started to find that not only do you look better, but you think better, and you feel better. And as a result, people get treated better in your presence. 
these will always materialize if we work for them. The profundity of that, and we don't talk about it in fellowships, and we don't even talk about this in detail in churches, and all of that is a shame. Because then people know what's real. If we just lay it out, how it's happening with who other people might thought the foolish things of the world. Um, so then it says we must go further, and that means more action. That's one of the things I do not like about these authors. They don't ever want us to slow down. <laughs> Why do you think that is? How many of you found out you don't really have a slowdown? Your mind keeps going even when you stop. Anyone else? Okay. All right, so step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. Why would I want to do that? Why would I expect to receive direction, power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction if I was doing all the talking and never listened? Does it make sense to do that? No, but sometimes we do. Many of you found out maybe if I shut up, I'd learn something. (laughs) How many of you had teachers tell you that? (laughs) We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So they wouldn't have said that had they not defined it. What's the proper attitude? It was all the way back in step one. They talked about how these people laid this spiritual toolkit at my feet, and we picked it up. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we're willing to make the effort. And that's all that's ever been required of any of us to grow in God, is honestly want to and be willing to make the effort. Does that make sense? Ah, Kenny got a hit. (laughs) One junkie to another. We always know when someone gets a buzz. Okay, man. (laughs) Okay, so then it says it would be easy to be vague about this matter. Have you noticed how it, it is easy to be vague, but these guys were so precise? We owe everyone this experience of showing them what they discovered, especially those people that are stuck in a religiosity and they don't understand that, that this power doesn't respect religiosity. This power wants you. Does that make sense? Okay. So, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So how many of you find that that's even a change of behavior? How many of you have gone from destructively reviewing your day to constructively reviewing How many of you have caught yourself destructively reviewing your day and realized it wasn't serving as high a purpose as you thought? Okay. So they're asking me for were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Why would I do that? I was supposed to do that all day long as I went along. That's the audit. You get what he's telling us? So they already already told them, this this program is meant to be suggestive. We're not saints, but we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. They're telling you, look, we know you're going to hose it. You're going to run around half the day pissed off at a guy you tripped over six hours ago. But clean the house, right? The softest pillow in the world is a clear conscience. So were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? How many of you have gone through that, got an answer you didn't want, and said, yep, going to sit in it? (laughs) 
So if you're new to this and you're working with someone, they'll probably have you call and do this every night for a while. I always figure you, if you'll call me for 30 days, when you're here, call me for 30 days, tell me how you did. You'll either keep doing it or you'll never make 30 days. And at a minimum, if you call me 30 days and I got enough people doing that, I'll do mine. Because we drive each other through our disciplines. Okay. So do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? When they put a question mark in this book, they want us to go inward. So this is what self-inventory looks like. And they want to know from me, is there something that should be discussed with another person at once? I know that even if I'm unwilling to do that, correct? Okay. Were we kind and loving toward all? Why is that so funny? How many of you have had days where you, it really went reasonably well, and for the most part you were? How many of you still thought ill of others, but were able to behave better than you thought? So when you access power to be kinder than you feel like acting, have you not gained tangible power? Regardless of belief. Yes? Okay. So what could we have done better? Notice how that we didn't talk about what they could have done better. But our thinker will take us there, won't it? Because I'm completely powerless over what they could have done better. I'm powerless over what I could have done better, but I can ask for power to behave better going forward. I can leave that dust, shake that dust of that town off my feet, can I? Okay. So what were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? How many of you, as you started growing in this discipline, found out that when you were thinking of yourself, you often got into remorse, some kind of morbid thought pattern, and when you would think of others, you were energized. That's all they're trying to do. That's all they're trying to get us to think life. Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. They told me last step that my real purpose was to fit myself to be of maximum usefulness, and when I focus on myself and my own self-condemnation, I'm still on that line of self. Whether I'm thinking you're less than or I'm less than, it's still a lie. Does it make sense? In community, there's no greater, there's no lesser. There's just us, the body. Yeah? Okay. So after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So for some people I meet that are into, haven't studied religious teaching, and they get into forgiveness of self, and they tell me about how they forgive themselves, I want to point out to you that humans are not very good at forgiving themselves because forgiveness is a, a divine act. So my suggestion to you is if you realize that everything you went through was preparing you for something you're going to and it's all about somebody else, then there is no reason that you would have to forgive yourself. You just need to believe in the one he sent because that way has been made. And, and so what we need to do is get forgiving of others because we are the instruments of that forgiveness. And I need divine forgiveness in order to do that because it changes the meaning in my mind of the experience I had. 
Okay. So then it says, inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So why don't I know what's best for corrective measures? For the same reason I need forgiveness. I'm going to need power to think kinder, to feel kinder, to act kinder than I feel. Yes? And the corrective measures, if I don't think I've done you any wrong, then I've corrected nothing. If I think you've wronged me, then there will be no corrective measures. But I'm still suffering in my thoughts regardless of how you receive my condemnation. You ever been mad at somebody and when you went to tell them how mad you were at them, they didn't even know you are mad? Doesn't that piss you off? Okay. So on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So what do you think about that? They had me ask what corrective measures should be taken, then they didn't say anything else. They seemed to imply that something's going to happen between asking for forgiveness and awakening, don't they? How many of you have gone to sleep and received some kind of revelation in a dream state, and when you first woke up, you knew something about it, acted in it, and found that it was indeed revelation? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Have you had it happen? If you don't know, one time I, I, I send out Bible passages every day, have for lots and lots of years. And I used to, you know, it used to be a lot more work than it is now. But anyway, I sent them out. And at that particular night, I woke up like at 2 in the morning, snapped awake, went right to the 23rd Psalm, and I sent it out. And my buddy called me in about a minute. And he says, wow, thanks for doing that. My dad just passed. I really needed that. I can tell you some of you felt that. But it really does happen. Sometimes it's in our psyche, but we do get divine revelation, and we want to capture it when we can. Because the power in us does not sleep even when we do. Okay? Um, so we consider our plans for today. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So what be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives? My thinking, not the world, not the people I work with, my thinking be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Yes? Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. So now they've told me when to think, think, think. When my thoughts are divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives, then I can employ my mental faculties. My mind works for me. I work for God. I can do that with assurance. Think, think, think. Starting to make sense now why they had those signs on all the AA halls? Because they had precise instructions in here about when to start that shit. If you're thinking before you're divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives, guess what? You're working for your mind. Instead of your mind working for you, you're working for your mind. How many of you have had that happen? That's when I wake up and I, screw them. They're all, they suck. I'm just going to quit. Anybody ever had a? Okay. So, given that the alternative is either my mind's a tool or I'm a tool, what's your choice to be? Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. 
You really think the creator of the universe would have given you a mind and then told you not to use it? Does that make any sense? You have the exact brain you're supposed to use. Matter of fact, this is the part in this where we tell you there's nothing wrong with you. Regardless of what everyone's told you, what you've told yourself, there's nothing wrong with you. You've been given exactly the mind you're supposed to have for the purpose you've been assigned. Okay, so it says that our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So my whole life is lived out in this plane called the thought life, which is why I can go in a place and love it, and I can go back in the same place on another day and hate it, and the only thing that changed is the way I was thinking that day. And so we've got to quit painting the world with all these bizarre, hateful things and start painting the world the way God told us it was. Right? Because we're just here to deliver that message. So in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Did that ever happen to anybody? I like it because this is a human experience. This isn't an addict experience. It's not an alcoholic experience. In facing our day, no matter who you are, you may face indecision. Would it be nice to know what people who are growing in the spirit do about that? All right, let's read the book. Or let's just make it up. Let's ask somebody at a hall somewhere. <laughs> we may not be able to determine which course to take. That ever happened? What does that tell me? It tells me I'm lacking direction, doesn't it? What, what flows into me when I walk in the vital sixth sense? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, tangibly. So I, I'm just starting to slip off to sleep, and I'm realizing I'm lacking direction. Where do I go for my source? The answers for you are in you. Make sense? This is a manner of living, right? The people that do not recover are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. This is it, precisely. So if you can comprehend it, you're capable of grasping and developing it. Okay? So it says, which we may not be able to determine which course to take here. We ask God for inspiration. How many of you have learned to ask God for inspiration? How many of you didn't believe in God and you didn't know what that meant, but you're like, inspire me. Because it's really that simple. Inspire me. And it'll come to me how? says it came to them as an intuitive thought or decision. Guys, we're not out reading meditations on the back of the toilet. You want to read that stuff? Fine. But this is about walking consciously with God. So when I lack inspiration, I will ask source for inspiration. Inspire me and it will come to me as an intuitive thought or decision. And they're going to give me conditions why that won't happen because there's always a naysayer that says, well, I asked today and fucker didn't show. Here we ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought, or decision. We relax and take it easy. Why? Because if I've already decided what the outcome is to be, I'm less likely to take any instruction. Right? So I need to set aside what I'm thinking, divorce my thoughts of self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives, and receive this new moment, because there's only now anyway. If I don't know that I'm in now, and it's a brand new now that's never been, then I'm going to bring in yesterday, and I'm going to paint it entirely wrong. Yes? 
okay? Or, or I'll bring in tomorrow. Okay, so we don't struggle. How'd they learn that? They struggled. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. Often surprised. How many of you started walking in guidance and you weren't even really that awakened to what was going on and found yourself in the right place at the right time and had no earthly idea how that happened? That's what it's like to enter the world of the Spirit, folks. It's not, it's not as mystical as it sounds. It's all written down for us. What used to be the hunch of the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Why do they use the word gradually? You start seeing it before you actually discipline it. How many of you got disturbed by your behavior before you were able to catch it in the thought life and actually arrest it? Okay. Some of you get more radically changed, but then you still have other parts of our personality that come out. Yeah? Sure. All right, so, so it says that being still an experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. How'd they learn that? Well, we all want to be inspired at all times. And sometimes, because I was inspired yesterday, I want to show you how inspired I am today. None of you have ever done that? But if I'm not moving in the tangible spirit, then I'm probably just showing. Okay. All right. So, so it says, we might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. How many of you have acted a certain way thinking you were informed in the spirit and it seemed like maybe you were mistaken? How many of you later learned that you weren't mistaken, but your own self-doubt denied you the... See, if you don't take the spirit out for a walk, you're never going to know that that power never leaves you. When you feel alone, you're not alone. Okay. So nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of rest, inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So claim their promise. As you're growing in your discipline, yes, you'll be troubled. Yes, you'll go through stuff, but you'll do less of it. You'll sit in it less. And God will send you people to distract you. How many of you have had that happen? Just sitting there, life sucks. And then the phone rings. Oh, not them again. They're going to want me to help them. I'd rather be miserable. Ever go out and help them when you're in that mood? Did you forget what you were troubled by? Were you glad God called? Okay, so it says that we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So I need to keep staying informed in the spirit, right? That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. Any of you ever get confused about that? As you go through the step process, you'll find that a lot of times we're asking for things to be removed that are meant to prepare us. Right? I, I would like for a lot of my restitution and my difficulties and things to go away, but the fact that I can get a shitty job and pay my fines and go show up in court and take what I got coming, and I was empowered to walk through that, it took away my 
self-pity, my dishonest, self-seeking motives, my guilt, shame, and remorse. I, I was empowered to walk out and, and, and hold my head high, even though I went through a difficult situation, because those situations were meant to perfect me, and I just wanted them moved. Make sense? And you don't know that until you kind of grow in the spirit and you realize that what really was taken from me was my hopelessness and my shame and my guilt, and, and I needed that experience. So, so we may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. So others will inevitably be helped as long as I bear witness. And, and if I go through those difficulties without whining too much, people will see that because bearing witness isn't talking, it's walking. Does that make sense? They're much more likely to want to hear about my God when they catch him working through me. Okay. All right, so we may ask for ourselves, however, when others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. How many of you have wasted a lot of time praying for your own selfish ends and didn't know that's what you were doing? And, and I don't know if you can easily see why, but you probably can. If you realize whatever you're going through is preparing you for where you're going, then it would be silly that you're praying it away. Would be, does that make sense? So what I really need is just power to carry that out. Okay. So if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So how would I know if circumstances warrant? They'd probably ask. Or I'd invite them to Sean's point. I might get inclined in the spirit to invite them. Um, If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. So I want to point out to you that there's another book Bill wrote 15 years later, and some people assign the principles he assigned as the principles of the steps, and they're not because it was written 15 years later. Sorry, great book, but it is not the principles assigned to the steps that he's talking about. Couldn't be because it was written 15 years later, and he was a marketing guy. So he was trying to sell books, and he did. Okay, so the principles we've been discussing are pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful, pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful, right? Okay. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. They did not say be quick to see that religious people are right. They said be quick to see where religious people are right, which means I'm going to have to inform myself about what they're talking about so that I can get the prejudice out of my mind so I can better see to help. Yes? Okay. I always like to point this out. I, for a long time, wanted people that were schooled in biblical teaching that also had a 12-step experience to help carry the message that there isn't a difference in these two. We're talking two different languages, but it's no different if you're biblical than Christ coming between Simon the Zealot and Levi the tax collector the two polar opposites, and changing the whole world. That's what we need to do in our recovery rooms and our churches. Um, As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. What do we usually do when we're agitated or doubtful? As you're growing in the spirit, you may pause more often, but how many of you have not always had a pause? Okay. 
and we ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves that we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Remember I promised you that not mine would go away? Because at this stage of awakeness, I know whatever I'm going through, no matter how difficult, my thoughts are making it more difficult. So show me. Does it make sense? So the, why do I want to get here quick? Because this is the awakened state. Who I am and whose I am. Make sense? So we're then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. How many of you have you grown in this, found yourself more at peace? More of the time. Do you realize it's because you're not experiencing fear, anger, self-pity, those Sometimes we just don't point it out to people. The reason you feel so light is you're not carrying all those rocks. We become much more efficient. So my new people, how many of you couldn't even make it to work? Couldn't get out of jail? How many of you started showing up, doing what was asked, helping wherever you could? Isn't that getting more efficient? That's even before your step experience. Just feel in purpose. Yeah? Okay. So we do not tire so easily for we're no longer burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. We were never designed that way, guys. We were designed as community to help our fellows. When we try and gather under ourselves, very finite existence. This whole place is designed to let people who thought they were forgotten know that long after you thought you were forgotten, we were thinking about you. And continue to. And we want you, all you guys in green lanyards, you're back here because you put away your red lanyard. They're thinking about the next batch and the next batch. And you guys in blue and red, think about the ones you left behind. We're going to send them a newsletter on Monday. Come help us do it. Okay. Um, it works, it really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. So what is, what is it that I do to let God discipline me? Remember we talked about the simple instruction in step six, let God? Watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask at once to have them removed, discuss them with someone immediately, turn my thoughts to someone I can, pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful, pray, meditate, Pray. Does that make sense? And that's not all. I told you some bitches weren't going to let up. <laughs> There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. They're reminding me again because i got to prove the power to me, through me, and works are demonstrable. So when I am caught exercising God's power, someone will catch me, and then I can do, honor my third step. Right? Yep. All right? So the next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. Thanks much. Thank you.